Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We got a message for you this morning. I believe it's going to touch our hearts. I believe it's going to be established establish some direction for some individuals and maybe a fresh stirring up to others. And what I want to remind you of <clears throat> is the fact that as Christians, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, as members of the kingdom of God, and I pray that you consider yourself that, there is never going to be a politician. There's never going to be a form of government. There's never going to be a system of law. There's never going to be a man-made society that will ever satisfy the longings of our hearts. We were never designed to receive fulfillment, to receive contentment, to receive purpose from other individuals because what we're doing when we do, when we do position ourselves that way for failure is we are putting ourselves and entrusting ourselves into the hands of individuals that are just as flawed as we are. Amen? You and I have been designed by God to receive life from him. Jesus, in the context of a conversation he was having with some of the religious leaders, is recorded for us in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 10, a very, very familiar verse of scripture for us. This is what he said. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He said of himself, I have come that they, meaning all of us here, may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And if we read it in the original language, it would say something like that they would have it in super abundance. That is the reason that Jesus came to this earth. In one sweeping statement, Jesus himself made a distinction between his mission and the mission of the enemy. He said, if it imparts life, it comes from God. If it comes to bring destruction, if it comes to bring death, if it comes to bring anything that's an obstacle to fulfilling your purpose in God, that comes from the enemy. And we need to make sure that distinction remains clear in our minds because unfortunately throughout the centuries in the church world, there have been some really bad teaching. And some of, those, some of that teaching kind of led people to believe that some of the bad things that happen in your life actually originated with God himself to either teach you a lesson, to punish you, to steer you in a direction that you obviously were not hearing, and the scriptures do not support that. And please, if you were raised in that type of a denomination, I pray that what we're going to share today is going to wipe that out, and you're never going to have to deal with that again. Remember, if it imparts life, it comes from God. If it has robbed you, if it has brought destruction, and if it has killed something in your life, it comes from the enemy. The message translation put it this way, Jesus speaking, I came so they can have real and eternal, more and more better life than they ever dreamed of. And for the born-again believer, you need to understand this and take hold of this, for the born-again believer, eternal life starts here on the earth. Amen. We step into the kingdom of God by an act of our will, a choice that we make based on faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I, we say sometimes, you know, so-and-so uh, stepped into eternity on such and such a date. That's not true. 
If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have experienced that born again, supernatural, translating you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, you stepped into eternity the day that you spoke with your mouth and said, Jesus, I believe in you. I know that you're the son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe God raised you from the dead. I receive your forgiveness. I receive salvation. At that moment in time, you stepped into eternity. You are living in the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. So let's focus on that for a little bit here. If eternal life begins here on earth, if it is the byproduct of the presence of Jesus in our lives, and if it is completely life-changing, let me ask you this question. Doesn't everyone deserve to experience that? Okay, a few people over here believe that very strongly. I'm going to ask you that again, okay, in case some of you might have fallen asleep or whatever. If eternal life begins here on earth, and it does, if it is a byproduct of the presence of Jesus in our lives, and it is, if it is completely life-changing, and who would agree that it is, then doesn't everyone deserve the opportunity to experience that? Yes. Yes. Now, let me ask you this follow-up question. Would you have experienced it if someone did not take the opportunity, did not live up to their responsibility, did not seize the time, the chance to talk to you and tell you about Jesus? Would you have experienced it? No, because that is the only way the message comes. The message comes through an individual, through a person, someone taking the time, someone caring enough, someone investing in, someone printing, someone recording, someone stating, someone preaching, someone doing something to get the message to another individual that there is a a whole other life waiting on the other side of yes to Jesus. You and I would not be living in the kingdom of God. You and I would not have the hope and the security to know that if we were to take our last breath this day, that we would be in in the presence of Jesus for all of eternity. You would not have that. And I bring this up to make the point that each and every one of us have an obligation. I know we don't like that word. We have a responsibility. We like that one even less. We have a responsibility to take the message of Jesus Christ, that faith is in his name, brings us into an entirely different spiritual realm than what we were born into. It is our responsibility with the goodness that we've received, with the comfort that we've received, we are to bring that message to others. That is the stated goal of the Lord Jesus Christ in, in in establishing his church on the earth. The church on the earth is not established just so that there are buildings here for people to go to and sit on a Sunday or a Saturday night or a Wednesday night or whatever night. The buildings, the the, the church buildings do not exist so that uh, the Weight Watchers has a place to meet during the week and the AA has a place to meet during the week and uh, whatever other group has happened to meet and things of this nature. That is not the reason why the Lord Jesus Christ died, suffered a horrible death, died on the cross to raise up a group of individuals that we would just build churches and occupy them. 
He raised up the church that we would take this message and bring it to every single generation. Amen? Amen. His word is full of life. John 6, verse 63. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and they are life. The word of God is the life of God. If you have not experienced, if, you have not been, if you've not been exposed to the word of God, you have not been exposed to life. Life comes to us through the word of God. That is the reason why, one of the reasons why it is so important for us to gather together as a church, uh, regardless of whether it meets on a Wednesday night, on a Tuesday night, whether it meets on a Thursday night, whether it meets on whatever night of the week, whatever time of the day. The church comes together to, to receive life through the word. Now, you can do that yourself, and you can study yourself at home, but we're commanded in the word of God to not forsake the assembling together of ourselves because the Holy Spirit knew once the early church started and once, you know how, you know, anything, you get involved in anything and the momentum is real, real great. Like, like for instance, you get a hold of this miracle diet that you're gonna lose 100 pounds in three hours, okay? Yeah, somebody sooner or later is gonna come up with that and it'll show up on Facebook. No, this is real, because it's on the internet. If it's on the internet, it must be real. And so what happens is, is people, you know, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but people get under, go, no, you gotta try this, and you gotta, you gotta try this new diet, and this plan, and this thing. And, and, and it lasts maybe a week. And then the excitement wears off. And when the excitement wears off, you, you still may do it, but now it's a little bit of a grind, and, you know, you're really pumping yourself up. You're talking to yourself in the mirror in the morning like, you know, you're going to be disciplined today and you can do this and you can do all things. And if you're a Christian, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you and, and you got this and you're equipped and the Holy Ghost lives in you and oh, uh, that's good for a couple of weeks and might even get two and a half weeks out of that if you're... But then when the momentum wears off, when the excitement wears off, when you lost that initial water weight and now you hit the wall, what happens? You know, most people will, will back off. Most people will kind of get complacent again. And the Holy Spirit knew that's exactly what was going to happen in the church. And that's why the gospel has got to be treated as if it was just heard in every generation. Every generation needs to hear that message that, the, that drove the disciples to put their lives on the line. Every generation needs to hear. This guy was dead. We saw him on the cross, he died, we, we, we know he was in a tomb, and now he's alive again, and now because of that, I wanna tell everybody about this experience. Every generation needs to experience that, and we have that opportunity, amen? amen. Paul describes the life of God in Romans chapter 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Can you say that with me? The kingdom of God is what? Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of God is not just that I'm not going to hell. The kingdom of God is not just that, you know, uh, if I'm sick, I can be healed. The kingdom of God is not just, you know, I really feel much better about myself than I felt before. I feel like things are getting better. Jesus didn't come for us, for our lives to get better. And he didn't come to make us better people. He came to take the dead and bring them to life. 
Are you listening to, come on, are you listening to me? Otherwise, otherwise, we're just, and this is why I believe that the momentum in the church of this day and age has worn down to a grind because we've presented it and it's been presented to us as just another self-help program. It's not a self-help program. It's a resurrection program. Your spirit was dead and now it's come to life. It's not that you're, well, you know, my spirit was kind of off. No, you were dead. If you are not born again, your spirit is dead. It is dead unto God. And it needs to be born again so that you can experience a resurrection life that Jesus experienced when he walked out of that tomb. And we're to take that experience to other dead spirits. I'm so grateful for the person that came into my life in 1984. The woman that took hours out of her day to sit there and to talk to somebody with a head like a piece of rock, and she, was, she wouldn't give up until I got it. That no matter how religious I was, no matter how hardworking I was, no matter how I tried to just do everything and do it in the greatest of my ability, none of it mattered in eternity. And that I was dead. I needed to come back to life. I needed to be resurrected. And those of you that consider yourself born again, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, not, not spectators, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is our responsibility to go and raise the dead. I'm not talking about dead bodies, although we're given that authority also. But to resurrect dead spirits. You know, we have this thing and we say like, you know, let's say somebody has a great evangelistic type meeting and all kinds of people come forward to say the prayer at the end of the service and we say, you know, 150 souls got saved in the service. No, no, they didn't. Souls don't get saved. Souls get regenerated. Spirits get saved. Spirits come to life. You are a spirit. The real person of who you are is a spirit. You have a soul, and those two live in a body. We are tripart in nature. And I keep bringing this up because most Christians do not understand that, and that's why you're neglecting your spirit because you're mixing up your spirit with your soul. Your spirit can only be brought to life by the spirit of God in the new birth. Well, you know, Pastor, I'm just going to sit down and read a whole bunch of books, and I'm going to examine all different religions. Oh, my God. Don't do that, because we'll have to cast the devil out of you. <laughs> I'm not joking. People open themselves up to this kind of garbage. I know this is going to go over real big with people that are going to watch this in the future, but it's the truth. You cannot afford to open your soul up to all these different types of teachings that are nothing more than doctrines of devils that we were warned about would be emphasized in these last days. There is one way. There is one who came to bring us abundant life, and that is it. There is no other name under heaven by which people can be saved. Now, we know that. You've experienced that. The majority of you in this room wouldn't be sitting here right now if you hadn't experienced that. But let me ask you this question. What about those who have not experienced it yet? Do you and I think that we can just go through life? What's none of my business? You know, you shouldn't talk about politics and religion. You already fell for the lie. 
We're not talking about either one. We're talking about relationship. We're talking about the coming to life of an individual who has been dead spiritually. Years and years ago, you remember that movie with the little boy? I see dead people walking. You remember that? Guess what? You go to the boardwalk right now. Go to the mall. Go to the supermarket. What do you see? Dead people walking. Dead spiritually. And you have the life of God in you. And you have got the key. And you have got the igniter to get that person alive again unto God and connect their spirits to the Holy Spirit. Are you listening to me today, church? We can sit here and we can occupy our minds with all kinds of things from now until the time that either Jesus returns or you take your last breath. But listen to me. I would be neglectful as a pastor. I would be, I would be just criminally guilty of neglecting my responsibilities if I did not say that you and I are going to stand before Jesus Christ, the head of the church, one of these days in eternity, and we're going to have to give an account of what we did with the life of God that he deposited in us. Did we just hoard it? Did we just keep it to ourselves? Did we not think other people worthy of the same opportunity that you had? Well, what if they don't listen? That's not your business. Well, what if they reject it? That's not your business. Well, what if they mock me? That's not your business, okay? See, the trouble is we're more alive to ourselves than we are to God when we are worried about what somebody's gonna say, how they're gonna react, what are they gonna do, what if they neglect, what if they reject me, what if, they, what if I lose a friendship? You're gonna lose them in eternity anyway. You might as well try to salvage them now that you may have some hope of spending eternity. Are you listening, church? So Paul said, the kingdom of God is this. It's, it's not eating and drinking. It's not natural things. It's righteousness. What is righteousness? Knowing that God has taken us and placed us in a good position with himself, apart from our conduct, based solely on our faith in Jesus Christ. Well, pastor, it sounds like you're saying two different things here. And one side of your mouth, you're saying that we have a responsibility to go and do and to go and bring and to go and preach this message and go and minister to people and go and, and, and get their spirits alive again unto God. But then you're saying that righteousness means that I stand before God not based on my actions. Yeah. Both of those are right. You see, before a person comes to Christ, and when I say comes to Christ, before a person expresses their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, receives the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, there are no works that you can do that are going to purchase that for you. See, that's the thing that we were taught really bad in religion. Religion taught us to do good deeds, you know, take care of, you know, your neighbor, the golden rule, all these other things. If you, if you give to charity, if you, if you help the poor, if you, you help it, that, 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 that's going to count for you in eternity. It only counts for you in eternity if you are doing those things already as a Christian. In other words, if you've already received Christ, now the things that you do are going to count towards you in eternity because you're already going. But those things do not get you into eternity. Are you listening to me? No matter what great deeds you did, you get all these rich people, all of a sudden when they start coming to the end of the earth, 
They're looking to see what they're going to do with their money. Where are we going to give it away? Who are we going to do? Because they're looking for brownie points with God. Looking for brownie points with the God that they said never existed before. But when you start coming to that place where you got less time ahead of you than you spent already on earth, you start thinking different. Those good deeds are not going to help somebody get into heaven. It's impossible. The only way you and I get into heaven in eternity is that we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ who went to the cross on your behalf, on my behalf, suffered the penalty that you and I should have paid. When we get to that place that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, he is God. He died for me. He purchased my salvation. I'm hooking myself up with him because there's no other way for me to get in. Now, once I get in, do we not have any gratitude? Do we not have any sense of responsibility to bring this kingdom of God, the righteousness, peace, and joy to others? Is it I'm in and the heck with you? Righteousness, knowing that God has taken us and placed us in a good position with himself. Peace, completeness, wholeness. God's not mad anymore. He's not mad at me. He's not against me. I'm never going to have to walk through this life alone. Therefore, I have shalom. I have completeness. I have wholeness. Now, let me ask you this question. Doesn't everybody we know deserve to at least have the opportunity to receive that? What are we doing about it? Joy. He said it was righteousness, peace, and joy. The joy of knowing that we're his and he's ours. Knowing that we have no more fear of judgment. I am saved from hell, but I'm saved from hell in order to serve the Savior that saved me from hell. You getting that? I'm saved. Thank God. Thank God we're not going to hell. Thank God I'm not going to hell. And, And you know, sometimes... I know we got to balance things out, and we're like, you know, oh, we should just be focused on the kingdom of God, focused on heaven, focused on our eternity with God. Great, but sometimes I don't think it would hurt us to think about hell a little bit once in a while. Because if we don't follow the leading of God in our hearts, there are people around us who are going to end up in hell. And the shame of it all is, they don't have to. Just like you don't, didn't have to. You didn't have. Somebody cared enough. I can't get this over. I just, I just can't get away from this. We have an obligation to make sure that everybody around us at least has the opportunity. Again, we're not, we're not, we're not guaranteed they're going to receive it. We're not guaranteed they're not going to reject it. But we at least have to make the attempt. Is it true that the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy? then doesn't everybody at least deserve to hear about it? And it's up to them whether they make the choice to receive it or not. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to bring it? Are you going to help us bring it? The life of God is a life of unlimited potential for those who are willing to step in and participate. Will you bring it? Will you help us bring it? Jesus wants life on this earth, wants to give us life on this earth to the fullest. And that includes sharing that life with others. If you've got it, you've got to share it. If you've got it, if it's affected your life, you need to bring it. You need to bring it to somebody. You need to to do something about it. Um, 
I'm looking to see where I can wrap this up today. Sometimes we don't place enough importance and significance upon maybe your assignment in life is just to reach one person. There's a story in Acts chapter 8. Philip, one of the apostles, goes to a place called Samaria. You remember in the Gospels, Jesus went through Samaria a couple of times. Some of the people heard from Jesus himself teaching. Obviously, then he goes to the cross, resurrects from the dead, ascends into heaven. Now it's a disciple's job to bring this message. So Philip goes to Samaria. And it tells us there that the city, the entire city, received the message with great joy. It affected the entire city. So you've got one man going to a city which really in the natural should not have received him because he's a Jew, they're Samaritans, and there's an, a racial issue there, division. But they received the message. And it says, and there was great joy in that city. Why? Because they, the majority of them received salvation. They received this message finally. Philip leaves there and is told by an angel to go on a specific road leading to the south of the geographic area he was in. It's a road that would lead him to a place that we hear about in the news all the time today, Gaza. He's on his way, he's traveling on a road, and he sees a chariot. Now, obviously, a chariot means this is a person of importance that's in this chariot, probably a person of wealth, a person of influence. And this man in the chariot, we find out later, has come from Jerusalem, is heading back home. He's an official of the queen of Ethiopia, person of great influence. And the Holy Spirit says to Philip, join yourself to this man. In other words, get close to the chariot. He finds the man reading a scroll, copy of the book of Isaiah. They strike up a conversation. And the man, the Ethiopian, wants to know from Philip, is this man, Isaiah, speaking about himself or is he speaking about someone else? And he gave Philip the opportunity. Do you ever have a conversation with somebody and all of a sudden the door opens for you to tell them about Jesus? It's exactly what happened. The man receives the message of salvation. How do we know that? Because the next thing the man says to Philip is, can I get baptized? Here's water. What's preventing me from getting baptized? This is how impacted this man's heart was. This is how he grasped immediately the message of salvation. And he immediately wants to identify himself with the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. They get out, and the man gets baptized. Philip gets supernaturally translated by the Holy Spirit someplace else. Why? Because his assignment was done. His assignment that day was to one person, but watch this now. The Orthodox Ethiopian Church exists to this day because Philip attached himself to one person and fulfilled his assignment for that day to one person. That person took the gospel back to Ethiopia and it exploded. You and I have no way of understanding and grasping the reality that the person that you may be assigned to 
is going to be responsible for explosive things to happen in the kingdom of God. So you and I cannot afford to take any chances of not speaking to an individual when you know in your heart God is saying to you, like he said to Philip, go attach yourself to that person's chariot, okay? I think about the reward that is awaiting the woman that showed up at my place of business in March of 1984. And she had to make the decision, am I going to take time out of my business day to spend with this person who may reject this message, or should I blow it off and should I continue operating in my business and just leave this place and go somewhere else? Look at what happened, because that lady spent two and a half hours telling me about the Lord Jesus Christ, a person who was dead spiritually. Listen to me. You've got the life in you. You carry the life of God in you. You have righteousness, peace, and joy in you. You may not be experiencing right now, but you have it in you. And you have it in you for this purpose, for you to experience life and life more abundantly, but even more importantly, for you to be a carrier, a dispenser of that life into someone else's life. Amen? Amen. Stand up. I pray that you let this message settle in your heart. That you ask the Holy Spirit, where is your part in this whole thing? You and I have never been called to be spectators. You and I are called to be pioneers, to go and blaze a trail for someone who's never been there yet. For you to go and pray for individuals and then receive instruction from God. What are you supposed to do about that individual's life? What are you supposed to do? How can you reach them? How can you bless them? How can you gain influence in their life so that you can bring them to the place where they receive Jesus Christ for themselves and their spirit comes to life that they in turn then can multiply that seed in someone else's life? I can't charge you. I can't tell you. I can't assign you. It's not my position. It's not my place. But I can encourage you and I can admonish you to go and find out from the Holy Spirit of God because listen to me, you may be in this room today and you may already be born again and granted you're going to heaven and hallelujah, wonderful. But you will never experience the true life of God in this earth until you put yourself in his hands and say, Father, use me to touch somebody else's life. And my prayer today is that when you leave this place, you are going to spend some time today, this afternoon, tonight, tomorrow, getting alone and asking the Holy Spirit, what is my assignment in this life from this point until the time I take my last breath and I come and meet you in eternity? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you make this message real in every one of our hearts today, Lord. And I pray that every single person that hears this will take it serious, Father. And go and find out, what is my assignment in this life? I pray this, God, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory at newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today.